John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Sean Salisbury for Four Downs. And, of course, uh, we're at the midway part of the season. A crazy, crazy season indeed. And I guess, uh, you know, we obviously have a lot of things to talk about. We have Seahawks things to talk about, all those different things. But uh, I don't know. How do you kind of sum up the first half of the season, Sean? No, Johnny, I'm here. Oh, okay, good. I don't know. You got me? Okay, Yeah, it's great to be on with you. I Summing up the first half of the season, I I probably – I don't think there's any great team in the NFC. No, that that's part of it. I think there's Tampa's, Green Bay, the New Orleans, Seattle. I think there's about four or five teams that are that can win it in the NFC. I think there's a couple. I think, and I also think the NFC is better at the top. We've been saying the last couple of years the NFC is a better overall conference, um, and the last couple of years they have been. I, I think that both Kansas City and Pittsburgh are a cut above anybody else in the league right now. I do, and Baltimore isn't far behind, and neither is Buffalo. So we're we're really top heavy. And I just think quarterback play, you get the haves and the have-nots. The haves are really good. Our young players at this position, and I love it because I say throw them in and let's see. And between Herbert, Tua, and Joe Burrow, uh, now I know it's early, but it looks like we've got three guys that are going to be special, and then all the younger guys a little older than them. Uh, and then the veterans. Our quarterback play at the top of this league is phenomenal, but our defense is abysmal at a lot of places, and it, it, those things stick out to me. Uh, but it's a, it's one hell of a fun football season to watch, I'll tell you that. No doubt about it. So I guess uh, the, the other topic now here in Seattle, what about this defense? I mean, can this defense get right? Because it's you're giving up 362 yards a game passing. John, I don't, I don't know. I don't think at this season, state of the, 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 at this portion of the year you can. I look around teams and I say, okay, let's say you go get one guy. Let's say one guy, for instance, like, for instance, a pass rusher. If you're is is if you've got a bad defense, is McKinley enough to go somewhere and actually generate enough? You say, man, what a game changer! Now, if you're a good defense and you're looking for one guy at depth, like Pittsburgh, okay, I get it. But when you're the Cowboys right now, the Seahawks, the Texans, I'm talking about defenses that just uh, you saw Tampa's defense. Now they're better than that than, than last night because they can get that fix, but. When it's when it happens every single week, it's a trend. It's a trend. So no, you're going to have to get. You're going to have to dial it up somewhere. You may have a a series or a game where the defense plays better, but it's going to come down simply for for Seattle. If they're going where they want to go, the MVP of the league is going to have to play like that. It's a burden to carry. Now he's going to. You see what happens. He played a little bit below his standards in against Buffalo, and they they got smoked. And again, and Russell, and I say playing against another team may play, may have played well enough to win. So I don't think so. I think teams that are, are poor defensively, there's not one guy out there that, that can fix it. He had three guys that were hurt and came back this week. Maybe that's not the case. The Seahawks are not winning a Super Bowl because of defense. And if they don't change it, they're not going to get to a Super Bowl because of defense. Hey, let's get going with four downs. First down, the Dolphins, they have now won four in a row. Are they for real? Uh, I don't know. Real as far as the Super Bowl threat? Absolutely not. Real as far as playoff threat? Yeah, because Brian Flores has got them playing hard, which you shouldn't have to ask a team to do. But their defense is rising up and getting some stops, even in games that they, you know, they'll give up some yards. The key is keeping the team out of the end zone. 
enough for you to score points. And they've, they've shut them down pretty good at times. And I just love their offensive approach now. You see Tua's feet. He did some things with his legs and, and on some throws that that's the reason why he's now the quarterback. But they're learning how to win. And young teams also learn how to lose. And Brian Flores has brought a completely different approach to this team. It was the right move to go to Tua. It is now paying off. He looks healthy and fit. And he comes from a winning program, so he knows how to win. And it permeates through your team. They're real enough to battle in December to get to the playoffs. They're not real enough yet in 2020 to last in January. But keep an eye on them. They're going to be charging in the next year or two and be a major threat to win that division out there in the East. Yeah, I think uh, you can see that, you know, because I didn't know if Tua could win a shootout against Kyler Murray, but he did. And not only did he do it, but he also did it from behind, you know, down 31 to 24, gets a 93-yard touchdown drive, and then gets a game-winning field goal drive. That is pretty impressive. So now... It's a matter that uh, their defense still has problems. They can't stop the run. You know, they still have some issues with the running game and all that different stuff. But I think they have a chance to maybe get a wild card. Kansas City and Pittsburgh have separated themselves in the AFC, but there's some crowding atop the NFC. So who is the best team in the NFC right now? As we sit today, I think you probably have to, considering the way he's playing. And I think of Seattle. Tampa's inconsistency defensively. Um, uh, who am I missing in the other? I mean, you know, I'll tell you the Vikings are running it well, but they're not anywhere near there because they, they, they don't play enough. Uh, they, they can't win in bad weather with the quarterback throwing it like that. I would probably say for me and the Saints, obviously, I know people are going to say the Saints. I'm, I'm not buying it. As far as in, in if they got to go to Green Bay in January, they're in trouble because their vertical passing game is going to suffer. I think Green Bay is today. If I was picking right now and had to lay odds, I picked Tampa. I'm not going to back off them. I picked them at the beginning of the year. I think they'd get it right. But that was one of the more humiliating losses I've ever seen by a good team. But I would say I'll take – it comes down to the quarterback. I'll take Rodgers over Breeze in a game outside in January as much as I like Drew Breeze. I'll give Green Bay a slight edge. Yeah, I, th- I give – this is a slight edge too, but it goes to the point <clears throat> that you made earlier is that uh, – the, the NFC is a little off right now. And so it goes, and it, you can see yeah. the changes week to week. I mean, for example, I had uh, the Saints as like the fifth seed a week ago, and now they jump all the way up to maybe the number two seed uh, as far as the way that they got that win because Tampa drops down, Seattle drops down. And so, you know, you still have Arizona and the Rams at six and seven. Uh, but right now, I think uh, Green Bay has the slight edge, but again, not sold on their defense and definitely not sold on the receiving core outside of Devontae Adams. All teams have played at least eight games. So who is the NFL's MVP at the halfway point? I still think it's Russ. I do. I still think it's Russ. He has more to overcome than Mahomes. I think Russ, Mahomes, and Rodgers, any way you want to slice it right now. And Josh Allen continues to hang around. I think he was 20 of 20 in balls that were three-yard windows or more. The ball doesn't hit the ground. So all that accuracy, <clears throat> excuse me, talk that we had, you got to throw that out. But it's one of those three. Um, I'm going to go with Russ because I look at it and you say, well, well, well Pat, Patrick Mahomes has had some interceptions dropped this year. He, now he's 25 TDs in one pick. You just got to go by what the real numbers say. But I, I think considering the circumstances, the team they're on, the, the, a lesser amount of weapons, he has to overcome more. I just think right now I don't see how as good as Mahomes is. And Mahomes is creeping now. He's creeping on the 
uh, us talking more about him. But at 25 and one, you can't dispel that. And Rogers, well, as Rogers, and he's on fire again. But right now, considering what he's got to deal with, until Russ has two or three back-to-back bad games, which I don't think he will, I still think he's the MVP. But the interceptions, if they continue to rise, that, that the other guys are going to get closer because we look at picks when it comes to touchdown passes ratio. And while Russ is still doing well, he's got to stay away from the picks to win it, but he's got a lot of pressure to do it. I got him first still. Yeah, I do too, because I think you still see a good, uh, you know, a good list of what he's able to do and still, you know, he's going to set that. But what it reminds you of is Kansas City a couple years ago. Patrick Mahomes goes out and he throws uh, 50 touchdown passes, but the defense, you know, betrays them in the, in the championship game. But the quarterback was good enough to try to be able to get the team in a position to try to win. So I think that's still up for grabs. But overall, I think you go Russell Wilson as the MVP. Fourth down, you may have already answered this earlier, but which contending team are you still not sold on? Oh, that I'm not sold on. Um, I didn't answer with Miami because I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, put them as a Janu- I mean a mid-January contender, but I do like them. I'm going to tell you a team that, that I'm not sold on yet, but I'm trying to be because I think we need to be talking more about them if it keeps up. They beat a team in a shootout, which is the best team in football, is the Raiders. Carr is accurate and playing well. They run the football very physically and hard with Josh Jacobs. Now, defense, we seem to mention that a lot with a lot of people. Can they get off the field against a Mahomes or against a Ben Roethlisberger? So there's team. I, I'm, I'm still, and I'll tell you another one, the, the Colts and the Raiders both. The Raiders, though, on the rise, the Colts concern me because they, their defense plays well, but their offense, they just don't beat good teams. And they, they, their second half was bad. Their commitment to the run game hasn't been there. I'm concerned about Phillip Rivers in bad weather or when he doesn't get to set his feet. So Raiders on the rise. I'm not there yet with them, but offensively we should start to get more into it. And the Colts, John, defensively I'm there, but offensively I think they lack some weapons. And I don't think Phillip Rivers can get them to February. And they're a playoff team. But that could be an early out, depending on where they're playing. It's those two teams for me, and they're both in the AFC. Yeah, I'd have to say uh, I'm I'm still sold on uh, Indianapolis despite the loss. I know it's only ten points, but Baltimore is so good at their defense and all that stuff. And again, what you're looking at right now is that uh, we'll find out Thursday because the Colts end up taking on Tennessee, and just like we saw with Tampa Bay, they had all the momentum and everything else, and they were going to go beat the Saints, and they didn't. They got drubbed, and then of course Tennessee is like the worst third down defense in football, and they don't get sacks because uh, they just don't. And so I. I I give that uh, one to Indianapolis. But, of course, we give you the honor, of course, uh, of being there on four downs. Great job. And, of course, we'd be looking to talk on Friday. Can't wait, John. Thanks. Good. Have a good week. You guys be safe. Okay. And, of course, uh, it's Sean Salisbury. And, of course, what the we can do and make sure that uh, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for The Report Card with the Professor. In The Report Card, we get out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, and the smart, the stupid. 
<coughs> what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes, we take the social media comments, we take the voices, and we attach grades to what we hear and what we see and all those different things. Curtis Rogers, of course, gives us a report card each day. So what do we have today? Well, John, let's get started on today's report card with uh, a pretty wild story here from former Chiefs and Patriots quarterback Matt Castle, who uh, was on the Patriots pregame show for their local TV station in Boston, uh, was asked about playing for Todd Haley, who was the Chiefs head coach for quite a stretch there. He was the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh and Arizona. And Todd Haley, known around the football world as being a hothead, somebody that uh, lets his temper kind of control how he's coaching things. Uh, Matt Castle shared this story uh, about Castle getting benched in the middle of the game and him going back out there against coaches' orders. Every time I came to the sideline throughout the first half, Todd Haley's screaming at me. He's yelling at me, just run the ball. And I'm like, we talked about this. We can't run the ball into everybody pressuring right into the run, so we're going to throw it. Well, he got he got heated as the game went on. Well, finally, it was the third quarter. I'm coming off the field. He's screaming at me for pulling up on a boot, and I said, oh, Todd, like you ever played the position. My bad. It was my fault. My frustration took over. So I go to the, I go to the, go to the sideline. He's still coming over yelling at me. We had a little bit of a, you know, a dispute over there, and he benched me. He benches me in the middle of the th- uh, at the end of the third quarter, and he says, "Brody, you're in." And he's being dead serious. Well, I took the I took the liberty to run back out on the field. Well, he wouldn't give me a play in my helmet. He would not give me a play in the helmet. Then he sends Brody back out on the field. Brody, two plays later, throws an interception. Now everybody's mad at Todd Haley. And then he literally said, "You're not going back." He told the coaches to tell Castle he's not going back in the game. So again, as a team captain, I felt it was my obligation to run back out on the field. Again, he wouldn't give me a play in my helmet, so I had to call my own plays in the helmet for the first three plays. Eventually, we ended up getting a score on that drive. We won the game, but I'll tell you what, it was disruptive to say the least. John, does any of that story from Matt Castle surprise you about Todd Haley? No, not at all. I mean, the story gets an A. And see, uh, I'm a little biased in this one because I actually go back, you know, when I was covering the Steelers. And, you know, Todd was the son of Dick Haley, who was their main personnel guy. And uh, I, I, I was watching him. You know, I think he's like 12, 13 years old as a ball boy. And so uh, I'm not surprised. And I still remember going back to Pittsburgh, like it would, well, not this year, obviously, but every year trying to see, okay, what's going on, uh, you know, with Todd and Ben, because they really got into it. I mean, that's like, it was, it was almost like not fisticuffs, but there was a shouting and disagreements and all those different things. And so that just is, that's Todd. Todd is a hothead. He wants it done his way. And think about this. You have a big quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who, you know, he and Todd, uh, Tom Brady were the best on fourth and goal with the one, right, as far as just taking it in on a quarterback sneak. He was never allowed, Ben, allowed because of Todd to be able to audible to a quarterback sneak when he saw it would work. And again, Ben's one of the best in this era in being able to do it. I think he's like 21 or 21. And so now he's able to audible to that where it wouldn't happen with Todd. But that's Todd. He is a hothead. Yeah, he's absolutely a hothead. I'll get yeah, I'll give the story an A. Uh, I just I can't get over the the whole Castle goes back into the game and Haley's so frustrated with Matt Castle's performance that he refuses to give him any plays. So Castle just kind of takes it on his own uh, and says, you know what? I guess I'm calling my own plays here. And, and he led them to a touchdown drive. Shout out to Matt Castle uh, for overcoming that. Uh, but yeah, Todd Haley, not somebody you want to get. Uh, 
you don't you don't want to get on his bad side because you're going to hear about it from him. He's... Well, remember him on uh, <coughs> hard hard knocks. Oh yeah. I mean because uh, you know Hugh Jackson wanted something done and he said no we're not going to do that that's not that's not what we're going to do. Yeah, that whole Brown situation. You had Todd Haley on offense, Greg Williams on defense. <laughs> combustible, wouldn't you say? Oh, no doubt. Big <laughs> combustible. Also on the report card today, John, uh, Jaron Reed. He joined Bob David Moore yesterday in the afternoon uh, and was asked about how he likes spending his downtime. And he's a, a TV watcher. He loves watching the Food Network, but don't ask him to cook. Oh, I love the Food Network because everything else on TV is born. And Tom, they just be making all type of food and stuff just out of anything. And they're like, it'd be real good. And then I just get hungry. <laughs> and so then I might try to try to whip some of myself. I, I've actually cooked before while watching Chop. <laughs> are, are you good? Uh, no, I ain't good at all. I suck. <laughs> uh, but they be making purees and stuff. I don't know what purees is. <laughs> I feel that from Jaron Reed. I love watching Food Network. Cannot cook at all, John. Are, are you a, a Food Network viewer? I was. I haven't in a while because I've been watching CNN too much because of what's going on with the votes and everything oh, else yeah. in the country. So it's like, uh, but no, I used to watch it all the time. So uh, unfortunately, I haven't got back to that. Maybe I will now that the election's over and all those different things. But uh, no, I'll, I'll give I mean, it's funny because, you know, it's good that Jaron's now, you know, getting back uh, and talking because, again, he's so much fun. I mean, he's fun on the field, and it was also fun to be able to watch, uh, you know, his two and a half sacks on Sunday. So I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never empathized with anybody more when he says I watch the Food Network, but I can't cook, and, and especially watching Chopped, Guys Grocery Games, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I love all those shows, but if you ask me to cook, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while. I, I'm I'm trying. I, I would like to get better as a cook, John, but uh, well, you know my position, right? Is that I, why I don't cook for Pat? My wife. You you want to I keep her alive? I want, yeah, I want to keep her alive. Yeah. Because if I if I'm going to be cooking, I'm going to put her in a very bad position. Yeah. Well, let's let's keep you out of the kitchen then, John. And then finally, a really cool story uh, from something that was rather unfortunate over the weekend uh, out of the city of Buffalo. Josh Allen, uh, Bills quarterback, his grandmother passed away uh, on Saturday, the day before the Bills beat the Seahawks, forty-four thirty-four. Uh, and in the days since uh, the passing of Josh Allen grandmother bills fans have taken it upon themselves to uh, memorialize her in a really amazing way uh they've been making 17 dollar donations 17 in honor of alan's jersey number uh, to a buffalo area children's hospital and in the 48 hours since sunday bills fans have raised more than two hundred thousand dollars for a Buffalo area children's hospital, just an incredible uh, wave of, of generosity uh, born from the passing of Alan's grandmother. Uh, John, how are we grading the Bills fans using this platform uh, to to make sure that she? Is oh, remembered? you have to give it an A. I mean, because again, it's just it's a, such a such a great story, and it just shows how loyal the fans are, how appreciative the fans are, and how concerned they are for the quarterback. I mean, again, it's been two decades since they've been able to win a division. Now here they are. Thanks in part to Josh Allen and his passing and all these different things. I think it's just a great sign. It shows you what great fans the Buffalo has. Yeah, I got to give them an A plus for this. I believe it was a couple of years ago when the Bengals won a game that put Buffalo into the postseason for the first time since 1999. Bills fans made uh, donations to, I think, the same hospital 
uh, and using increments of, I want to say, $14 because that was Andy Dalton's jersey number. Uh, Bengals quarterback is Cincinnati's win, catapulted Buffalo back into the playoffs. So uh, just really cool gesture by them and, and what they're able to do and uh, some really cool stuff, especially around, you know, we're nearing the holiday season. Uh, really cool to see that hospital taken care of in that way. That is it for today's report card, John. Okay, and of course, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go into Visi Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on the busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. Text us at 710-710. Curtis, what do we have? This one, John from the 253. They want to know, what does Dallas's cap situation look like next year if they franchise Dak again, and what are the chances they reach a long-term deal? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to get a long-term deal because he's going to be asking for $39, $40 million. <clears throat> but the cap is going to be a mess. They're going to have to let some guys go because <clears throat> if you talk to the top eight eight players on the team, he'd have $104 million of cap room. <clears throat> and over. And so if you add that with the 37.5, you're talking $140 million of what might be a $175 million cap. <clears throat> That's why they may have to, you know, certainly, you know, Lavo Collins is going to be in trouble. He's going to probably be cut. They may have to trade Amari Cooper, and they have to restructure a whole bunch of contracts. But it's not going to be easy, but somehow, some way, they've got to get it done. This one from the 509. They want to know, how would you assess Trey Flowers' performances the last three weeks? Is he bouncing back from his poor start? I think he is. Now, certainly, uh, I don't know what the technique issues are or anything of that nature that uh, got caught up. But I think, you know, he he certainly, I think, has played better than uh, Quentin Dunbar. And again, we give the possible excuse for the knee injury and the lack of time on the practice field, all those different things. But I think he is playing better. From the 503, they want to know, John, do you expect Seattle to put in a claim for Tack McKinley? I think they might. I can't guarantee it. The question is going to be, is it going to necessarily work? Because, uh, you know, you figure a couple other teams may jump up and do the same thing. And, again, we won't know till tomorrow. He wasn't on yesterday's waiver wire. He's going to be on today's. And so the clock starts at 9 or at 1 o'clock this afternoon to 1 o'clock tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I think it's not. I think it's advisable to try to do something because, again, he can just be an option. I mean, the better option probably would be to get him on the practice squad if he clears waivers. But uh, you take it one step at a time. This one comes to us from the 206, John. They want to know, with how banged up he looked on Sunday, do you expect Quentin Dunbar to play this next week? Mm, I'm questioning it. I think it could be problematic because, again, it's like a – but I think but also you have to take into account you know, what he had to do and what he had to sacrifice to be able to do what he did because, again, he had to – you know, being out there hurt, and you can see how much he struggles, but uh, you know, they, they need as much as they can, and so uh, I think he's going to almost have to gut it out. Two five three. They want to know, John. Do you see Seattle having any interest in free agent corner Eli Apple? Um, no, I guess. Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, uh, I don't know how his hamstring is because he's had uh, nothing but injuries. But again, he's a consideration, a former first round pick. And you know, the question is going to be, would he be willing to go on the practice squad? Four two five wants to know, Professor. Do you see Jacob Hollister getting targeted more the rest of the season? You get you get the feeling he might. I mean, he did well the other day, and you know, I was just looking at the numbers because I was doing this. Is that uh, you know they're back up to thirty percent as far as their two tight end offense as far as how much they have them out there. You know, between Disley and Olson and all that, and so uh, yeah, because you know once when you get uh, you know. 
DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett rolling, then usually takes the ball away from the tight end because they get targeted more. We saw that in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans and also uh, you know Chris Godwin. Uh, not, and of course they get the ball away from uh, you know not getting him to the tight ends. But no, I think he probably has a chance to get more because he catches the ball. Another two five three wants to know, John. What are the chances Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde play this week? I think it's you know fifty fifty. I think you know one or two of them should be available. Maybe Hyde more than Carson, but uh, you know again, this is a gut check type of game because again, they got two games coming up in ten days. Their toughest games down the stretch, and they need everybody possible to be able to play if they can. So it's I think it's a chance that he might. Both of them might. Real good question here, John. From the 206, they want to know, of these three game shows, which one would you most want to be a contestant on? Price is Right, Jeopardy, or Wheel of Fortune? Uh, I'd say uh, Jeopardy, but of course it's so hard to do it right now because yeah. you know, you're, we're missing the greatest to ever ever do that. And so, uh, you know, Don Trebek, so I was like, I, I, I'd say Jeopardy. Yeah, I think Jeopardy would be... Probably the, you'd get the most bragging rights having won that because Price is Right doesn't really take a lot yeah. of skill. Wheel of Fortune, a little bit of skill there. Jeopardy, that's strictly knowledge based, and uh, I think that'd be incredible to to participate in, even without Alex Trebek there as the host. Uh, you know, maybe they find somebody else, Ken Jennings, possibly mm-hmm. uh, to host that. That'd be a fun one. Uh, this one from the nine one six, John. They want to know: Do you expect Shaq, uh, Shaquille Griffin to return this week? Uh, it's debatable. I mean, uh, that hamstring doesn't seem to be you know getting too much better. It's, a, it's an outside chance. Uh, you, it, but of course, yesterday Pete Carroll said that Ugo Amadi's probably ahead of him as far as having the chance to come back. And so you have to kind of worry: You know, is that going to be one that uh, you know he may not be there? But they need him bad. The 509 really wants me to ask you this, John. They want to know, can a player reject a team who picks him off waivers? Uh, No. I mean, you know, he could rant and rave and be cut, but if you're claimed on waivers, you have to go to the team and, and, you know, raise issue with them as far as if you don't want to be there. I think, didn't Terrell Suggs last year say he wasn't going to go to any team besides Baltimore, and then Kansas City picked him off waivers and he ended up going, got a Super Bowl ring out of Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. I think that turned out pretty well for him. Uh, this one, John, from the, let's see here, from the, let's go with the 425. They want to know when is Ugo Amadi expected to be ready to go? I think Sun. I think he's going to be there Sunday. I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's what Pete seems to indicate, that he's a little bit ahead on his hamstring injury compared to uh, the one for Shaquille Griffin. So I think he has a chance. This one comes to us from the 509. Will Earl Thomas ever play another down in the NFL? I think he will, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I think, again, it's almost like the same thing. I wonder if he's going through with uh, Eric Reed, you know, because, you know, when uh, Landon Collins went down for the Washington Redskins at safety, Ron Rivera reached out and wanted to try to sign him and put him on the practice squad. And, of course, if you really look at a lot of these deals now, it's almost like you have to go to the practice squad just to get yourself in shape and then get ready to come on the active roster. You know, I can't imagine, you know, Earl wanting to get into a situation where he's going to be a third, but now half the season's gone, and he's probably, you know, had some maybe calls to go on the practice squad, and he's insisted on not doing it and so that i think can be an issue 253 wants to know is dwayne brown's eventual replacement at left tackle currently on seattle's roster i don't think so i mean you know maybe it could be jamarco jones that's a possibility but i right now think that uh, you know sometime in the next two years and i say two years because i think he's still got two more years left in you know they've got to find that person 
Uh, 206 wants to know, John, when will we find out today who gets Tack McKinley? We won't. Because, again, he wasn't on yesterday's waiver wire. And so once he goes on the waiver wire today, we have to wait until tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So, you know, maybe we'll find out maybe during the course of the show tomorrow, but we will know nothing today. Yeah, we got some time. Uh, from the, let's see here, from the 253, they want to know, John, will Chris Richard or Dan Quinn be back in the NFL next year? Will they continue to take time off? No, they'll both be back in the NFL. They're both coaches. They love the coaching jobs, and you know, they love what they do. So they'll both be back in the league. Uh, this one comes to us from the 206. What's your favorite midnight snack? Hmm, because I'm never awake at midnight anymore. Although <laughs> I guess sometimes I'll wake up at midnight. Uh, I'd say uh, probably uh, some nuts or things like that. I mean, I, you know, different, different type of things, but I usually don't go for a midnight snack. I usually have my dinner and then go to sleep. Yeah, it's, it's not good to eat like when you wake up like that but we we've all done it uh favorite midnight snack for me uh i would maybe like chips something like that yeah uh this one john they want to know from the 425 if richard sherman in seattle will have a reunion at any point in the future oh you'd think so yeah i don't see any reason why not i mean take a little bit of time once he retires <clears throat> to get away from the game. I mean, he still lives up here, so it's like, uh, yeah, I think there's a great chance. 425 wants to know, John, can you ever remember a team rushing only three times in the first half like Buffalo did on Sunday? Uh, no, well, <clears throat> we watched uh, Tampa Bay. <clears throat> they ran five times during the course of the game, which I think is an NFL record low. And so, yeah, I mean, and it's, I think it's happening a little bit more and more because everybody realizes, hey, we can pass the ball. We can do this and do this. Let's, you know, we'll get, if we're going to do the running, we'll do it in the fourth quarter. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, coming up next, we're going to have our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And time for our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. So, Dave, did you gut it out and watch the New England-New York Jet game last night? Not much of it, John. Not much of it. Yeah, It was pretty bad. I mean, these are two bad teams, aren't they? It's surprising, isn't it, with the Patriots? I mean, you know, obviously expected some change with, without Tom Brady, but, uh, yeah, they are bad, and, and um, the Jets are just uh, systemically bad. Yeah, it's amazing to see how bad that franchise is, and now you start to look at the remainder of the schedule. I mean, other than maybe seeing if they can do something against the Miami Dolphins, I don't know if they're going to be able to win a game. I mean, what is it? What is it like when you're every every year you're thinking about getting a new quarterback? I mean, you got to look at. I mean, I'm sure they're looking at uh, the kid from Clemson if they wind up with the number one pick and and kind of you know taking a flyer on Sam Donald when you just don't get it right year after year after year. It's just it's amazing how self fulfilling it can become. And and look, it, it's we've talked about it a lot of times. It's it usually stems from the top. You know, you usually you know it, it stems from the top. It, it can be a combination of things: bad luck. Um, which is usually usually a part of it as well, but most of the time it's bad decision making, something really wrong with how you're going about doing things in your organization, and and that's the Jets' way. I mean, for the Patriots, it's it's a surprise to see, and and um, you know we'll see if it lasts all year or not, and if, even if it does, I would expect if Belichick stays, they'll be back. 
But, um, you know, for the Jets, it's, it's, it's a far different story. Oh, it really is. I mean, and uh, now now we find out that uh, Sam Darnold's getting second and third opinions on that shoulder, and so you kind of get the feeling that, uh, you know, he may either get shut down for the season, which, of course, gets shut down for his career because they could be drafting uh, Trevor Lawrence if he comes out of uh, the NFL. Right. And so it's like, uh, yeah, it's a bad, bad situation. Boy, boy, New York's got bad sports right now yeah. for the most part, don't they, besides baseball? I mean, the Knicks are terrible. Uh, the Giants are terrible. The Jets are terrible. Um, you know, I guess their hockey teams are going all right. But, um, boy, it sure has changed in football. And, and it's, it's surprising to see it from the Giants just because, you know, for they weren't always the best organization, but they were always such a solid organization. And, and you know, it's funny. It, it goes to um, – it obviously goes to the number one position quarterback, and the, the Giants are thinking about that as well. And, you know, it's, you, you take those things for granted sometimes. Uh, you know, your partner with uh, Paul Sylvie, Walter Jones, was a guy that the Seahawks couldn't help but take take it you know, for granted. They they had the best left tackle in the game for years and years and years. You just don't think about it. You know, the Mariners had the best designated hitter in the game for years and years and years, and, and never really thought about that position. You know, you got a quarterback like the Seahawks do with Russell Wilson. It's something you don't think about when you don't have one. Uh, it can fail your organization. It can it can drop you to your knees and. And it's hard to come back. Look at the Seahawks before uh, Matt Hasselback came in and, and the struggles that they had. So it's a you know that that, that position in the NFL continues to be the most important. But even that position sometimes can't overcome bad management. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. That's a, that is a big big problem. And so now uh, I'm kind of kind of wondering, like on the New York theme, what's your thoughts on uh, Steve Cohen ending up uh, buying that the New York Mets? I mean. I don't know what that'll, you know, to me, the, the, the fact that the Mets struggle is, is, um, is surprising. They're, they're obviously a big market. Um, you know, what, what, it, what it's going to mean is they, you know, a little bit of, uh, I'll say this, you know, not knowing a whole lot about what his plans are uh, and forgetting about, you know, how he got there. I mean, they, that's an organization that needs some stability for a while, and now they have it. Now, it, you know, they've got a fantastic ballpark. I mean, Shea Stadium was, was kind of the excuse for a while. The, the ballpark they have now is, is terrific. Uh, they, they they make buku bucks, so there's no there's no money problems there. It should be the start of a of a of a good good stretch, but it all depends on who he hires. It all depends on, on who starts running that baseball operation, and you know you hope they don't make a decision as crazy as the White Sox Tony La Russa decision is looking like. Yeah, as you see this, the the latest on that, he just had a DUI. The day before they hired him, and they yeah. knew he hired him, and he and he pulled off. Do you know that I'm an MVP and in, 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 I'm in the Hall of Fame when he's getting in the cop car? Yeah, and this his, is the his line is, do years? you see my ring? I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. Yeah, I mean, that's that's insanity. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, it's funny because the White Sox appear to be an organization that has moved in the right direction. Uh, you know, they were patient with, with prospects. They, they they took their time. They, they they hit this year. They made the postseason this year after a long wait with a with a bunch of great young players. That This move seemed kind of questionable because LaRusso has been away from the game for so long. And, you know, we, we, we speculated that it might have been partly because of the success Dusty Baker has had as, as a 70-year-old-plus manager. But to, to, to hire him knowing that he had a DUI and knowing it's the second one he's had in, what, four or five years, just uh, baffling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's bizarre. There's no doubt about it. And, of course, it makes me believe that the White Sox success was a fluke and, and that uh, you, you will see them make mistakes in the – in the years to come, and they will not be able to maintain what they what they started this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. And in the meantime, uh, you know, things all get good on the Mariner front because Kyle Lewis yeah. ended up getting the uh, and uh, in fact, uh, the only thing that surprised me was unanimous. 
I mean, I think it was it should have been unanimous, but normally, and I know being among the voters for different things, that uh, you know you can't get everybody to agree, but everybody agreed that he was the AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, it was surprising that it was unanimous. It was a, a tremendous, uh, just a tremendous accomplishment for for Kyle Lewis, uh, especially knowing his story like we do, knowing what he what he overcame. You know, an, an injury that that uh, that looked like it had his career in jeopardy, and you know he's just been climbing the wall since he was Jerry Depoto's first, you know, number one draft pick, and um, you know just kept hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there, and uh, got his opportunity towards the end of last year and had that great September and. And then this year, full on had had just a had just a terrific season. I mean, if you if you penciled his numbers out, he was looking at a year where he would have hit between twenty five and thirty home runs, stolen twenty to twenty five bases, played absolutely outstanding defense. I mean, had his Ken Griffey moment in the outfield. Um, you know, just uh, in, in terms of rookies, he dominated them statistically, so he was a good choice. But um, just just it's a, it's a great story, and it, it's something good that that's happening for. We talk about the Mariners being an organization that. You know, hasn't been to the postseason longer than any other, and 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 a big part of that has been um, bad luck, and and then not developing young players. I mean, and here's a case where this is this is obviously the dictionary definition of developing a young player, taking a guy in, in the first round of the draft, and and he winds up being rookie of the year. That's how it's supposed to be, and it was a long circuitous tour and, and torturous at times for Kyle Lewis, but really congratulate him. He, he had a great year. He's a he's a great player and. And certainly one of the guys to build around. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, now they got uh, two gold gloves and a uh, uh, rookie of the year. That's showing it that you can get some rebuilding process. And again, they're now in the top three, maybe even the top two as far as farm prospects. Yeah, the, 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 I saw that number where, where they've got they've got uh, they're they're in the top three with with top prospects. That's that's the first time that's happened in a long time. And and again, what we talked about, John, what, what the the difference between success and failure. In these circumstances, is development. I mean, it's just it, it, there's always been one thing lacking, you know. Whether it's you know, and, and at times it's been mistakes at the top of the first round. And we're not just talking about first round, but we're using that for an example with Jeff Clement and and uh, you know Dustin Ackley, guys like that. But it's it's also very much about how you develop your players. I mean, it's it's key to the success of the game, obviously. And and uh, the Kyle Lewis story and and the fact that they've got guys that are going on so well. Speaks to the fact that the Mariners are, are, it feels like anyway, John, knock on wood, that they're doing a good job of developing their young players. And, and Kyle Lewis, uh, you know, is the first one to get some awards, and there should be more coming. Uh, they've got a bunch of, of good young players ready to play next year. So for, for a fan base that's been long suffering for, for uh, obviously a long time, you know, this is the sort of thing that, that you, can, you can hang your hat on. Yeah, and of course, we hope we have good young players, but we do have good young players. But that's the thing that was so amazing about Jack Sorensic because, you know, obviously he had a good scouting eye, but, I mean, he really organizationally didn't have the right people developing the players. No, no. I mean, that, that's, I think, you know, and, and looking back at it, that's the bottom line. And, and like you said, it, it was considering his background, he was a former executive of the year when he was running the, the minor league operation for the Brewers. You would have thought this would have been uh, an absolute. Um, an absolute lock when he was here. That the, here's the one thing this guy can do is develop young players, and and it turned out to be uh, not the case, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's the one thing I think you can see that this current administration has done a real good job of getting people and trying to do all those things. Yeah, exactly. And and like 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 we said, uh, just the, the circle around here with Kyle Lewis winning and and the, the young guys they've got coming. It feels like now they've got the right program going, and that's 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 very positive. And, and I don't change my opinion at all about about next year. I think next year is a, 
an opportunity. I mean, an opportunity to step forward, and I think the Mariners probably going to feel that way themselves. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, that's our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a great day. John, sounds good. We'll talk again tomorrow, buddy. Okay, sounds good. And we'll be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.